Oh, do tell, I, I Amy. Do tell. I know. I, we have a G rating, but I wouldn't mind an X for this episode. <laughs> Hey, David. Hey, Amy. So, today's episode was a little bit saucy. Saucy. <laughs> saucy. I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> so, we talked about sex a little bit. We did. Well, I think I, wonder, a lot. I actually don't know how, how many times. Yeah. I don't know. Adam, can you maybe do a counter every time we talk about sex? Oh, my gosh. We'll figure out in the end how many there was. Yeah, I'll warm up the old sex counter. It's going to get a workout. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, before we get into sex and food and all sorts of things like that, on today's show, we are talking to cookbook author and baker about town, Jessie Sheehan, about her latest book, Snackable Bakes, as well as that all-time favorite old-timey dessert, Icebox Cakes, on which she's an expert. But first, a little coffee talk with my friend Amy. (laughs) How was your week, Amy? It's been really busy. You know how when you take a vacation as a grown-up, it's like you have to pay the piper in advance mm-hmm. by doing all of the work mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you aren't going to be doing when you're on vacation. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm doing a ton of recipe development. I'm up to my elbows in holiday desserts right now. Oh, my, my. Holiday as in end-of-the-year holiday, Christmas and Thanksgiving? Yeah, because there is no time, and I work in a magazines, and so we're just working ridiculously far out. So, yeah, I'm, I'm working on, like... Thanksgiving and Christmas stuff. Any fun cooking or baking you've done yourself this week? The best thing that everybody went crazy for last night is it's a bunt cake. I always think of that scene in Greek wedding, <laughs> in my big fat Greek wedding, where she's like, bunt, 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 bunt cake. <laughs> uh, and it's lemon and apple, Ooh. and it's just delicious and very, very pretty. Is there any kind of filling in it? Why did I think there was going to be a cream cheese filling? So it's like layer a layer of apple. Mm. No, there's no like tube-like filling. It's pure cake, but there's apples layered in, mm. and then there's apples on top that make this very pretty crown very and drizzled nice. with like a lemon. It's 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 lovely. Mm-hmm. So that's my favorite so far. Very good, very good. How about you? What are you up to this week? Oh, this week very busy with work, but I think I can mention this now. I think it's not too soon. We're actually coming out with a Leeds Culinaria Spice Blend. Isn't that exciting? Congratulations. Thank you. It's called A Taste of Portugal. It's based on a recipe in my book, and it's being manufactured by World Spice Merchants. And I am so excited, but we've been going round after round after round. So we have version one, version two, version three. This one's too hot. This one's not hot enough. This one needs more paprika. This one needs a little bit more of this. So it's been cooking all kinds of food, seeing if I can replicate the flavors of back home with just a spice blend. And I'll tell you, it's really, really challenging. But our guest today, Jesse Sheehan, is kind of known as the queen of easy peasy baking. I'm trying to make something that's easy peasy cooking that gives you great Portuguese flavor. So that's really been it. So I've been eating so much food with this spice blend on it. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I cannot wait to taste it. I hope you'll consider me a tester. I will. I will send you. You'll be one of the very first. Well, I'm very excited to talk to Jesse. So why don't we hop onto it? So I have to say that Snackable Bakes is an absolutely gorgeous book. Congratulations. Thank you, David. I know I feel like everybody, well, not everybody, but people know that it certainly takes a village to make a cookbook. And I was Mm -hmm. so, so, so lucky and all the words to have such an incredible team. 
the photography, the styling, the props, all of it. And this is your biggest book, right? Well, it certainly has more recipes than the other books. Mm. It has 100 recipes. And I think it's my most personal book. So it mm. feels very much like me, as opposed to like the vintage baker or icebox cakes. And I love all my children. I don't want anyone to feel like I, I'm picking favorites. As one should. Right. But <laughs> I feel like whereas the vintage baker and icebox cakes were a little bit more like, oh, I have an idea. I think I'll write a book about this idea. Snackable Bakes is really like, oh, this is how I bake, this is how I like to eat, and I'm going to write a book about that stuff and see if anyone else agrees with me. You know, I don't know if you just have your finger on the pulse of how people are cooking right now, but either that or you're prescient or something, but this feels like the right book for the right moment. Thank you. I mean, it's funny because it's an idea I've had for a long, long time, and it definitely felt in, you know, March of 2020, I was like, oh, this is my moment. And then for a variety of circumstances and reasons, it, it wasn't my moment, but I mean, this is kind of sad and also not sad, but I feel like in some ways we've come so far since 2020, but we're still close in ways mm -hmm. that lo and behold, people are still baking in this way. I kind of feel like, Amy, maybe I'm wrong. I feel like people are always doing this. It's just there wasn't necessarily, I mean, of course, there are books about easy baking, but I feel like I touched a nerve, but it was a nerve that everybody's been touching for a while now in, in their own kitchens. Mm -hmm. So tell our listeners what that idea is, what the book is about, and how it reflects your particular way of baking. 100%. I would love to. So, you know, a snackable bake mm. to me yes. is a recipe for a sweet or a treat. It does not have to be baked. It can be something that's set up on the countertop or that you, you know, cooked on the stovetop. So bake is kind of used loosely. But a snackable bake is an easy peasy recipe. The recipe will be found on one page of a cookbook with a very short ingredient list with a very short list of instructions that are simple and easy to follow. Most snackable bakes do not require any special equipment. So you do not need anything but a bowl, a whisk, and a spatula. Mm. And I'm thinking that book four needs to maybe even cut out that spatula. I'm wondering, could you just make everything with a bowl and a whisk? And I think you could. <laughs> Some of my recipes, I won't lie, I'm very frosting forward, particularly American buttercream mm. frosting forward. And that is such a good thing to be <laughs> frosting forward. So, As you right? can see, I am very <laughs> frosting forward. <laughs> So there are some recipes in the book that do call for a stand mixer because I think cake is great, but cake with frosting is probably better. Right. So, But in general, snackable bakes don't require any kind of special equipment. The ingredients are, are not only, it's not only a short list, but they're already in your pantry. Mm. I mean, there are one or two recipes where I say, you know, if you can stomach it, could you please get yourself some culinary lavender, either online or at Whole Foods, <laughs> because these are some spectacular tiny lavender shortbread bites. Right. But if the person <laughs> was like, no, no, I'm not leaving my house, I would also say, amazing. Don't put anything in those shortbread bites. They are still going to be delicious. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think we all know from writing cookbooks, sometimes you break your own rules a tiny bit, particularly mm -hmm. with a book like this where there are rules. But in general, and I can say that so far the Amazon reviews seem to, to back this up, people are flexible enough to say, oh yeah, everything's easy. Oh, 
I don't have lavender. I don't want to buy it. That's okay. I'm going to do a different recipe. So in general, uh, that's my kind of snackable bakes ethos. It's the way, like I said earlier, what's super exciting for me about this book is that Mm. I am a snackable baker. Like that is how I bake all the time. I'm the person who gets a cookbook from a friend, let's say, and I want to help promote it. And I literally go through the book looking for the shortest recipe, and then I make it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let me ask both of you, Amy and Jesse, do you think this is also partly due to we are all people of a certain age, and I am man of an uncertain girth? Because when I started, and I don't know, Amy, on your story on this, when I started, I made my own butter to put into my own puff pastry dough, and I made my own croissant dough. I made everything from scratch. Now, I'll buy two fours. I'm not interested in making my own, any of this stuff. I just, it's, I don't have enough time anymore. How about you guys? Did you start out that way? I don't think it's an age thing, but I do think it's a maturity and confidence thing because it's something I've also noticed with chefs. Mm-hmm. I've been covering chefs and restaurants for a lot of years, and I've noticed with chefs, like, they start out and they're like, here's what I can do, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, and they're, like, doing all their tricks on their menu. And as they get more mature and more confident, they start just simplifying it. And I don't think it's laziness. I think it's like, oh, I don't have to do all the tricks to give you a great meal. Mm -hmm. And I see that with cookbooks because I know doing recipes for Yankee Magazine and working with, you know, my young colleagues – People want simple right now. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to be Switzerland here and agree with David and Amy because I know for myself, certainly when I started out, I was more interested in a project bake. But Mm. I also kind of agree with Amy in that it might have been a lack of maturity or confidence in the sense that I don't think I necessarily loved them. Mm. I just didn't Mm -hmm. understand that that wasn't the only way to do things. Mm -hmm. And then kind of over time realizing like, oh, you can have a really delicious cake and you don't have to make all of those different steps and maybe that's okay. Particularly if you're making them for like your seven-year-old and your nine-year-old, like why was I killing myself for all those birthday cakes for my little boys who couldn't give a you-know-what except they wanted it to be yummy and that was the most important thing. I remember when I worked at Sunset Magazine out in California, we were all pre-parenthood, young ambitious, want to do everything by hand, endless amounts of time on weekends, people. And the editor, who was a mom of two, would come into the test kitchen and be like, could you please do simple (laughs) chicken recipes for weeknights? And we'd be like, well, I don't know if people aren't going to commit to really cooking. What's the point? And then I first became a parent and I was like, oh, but it's not just parents. It's like anybody who gets busier in life. A hundred percent. I also think, at least for me, and this may be, I know this is an age because I think I've always been like this. It's realizing I'm like a super big fan of instant gratification. I just am. I have never been a patient person and maybe with age I've gotten less patient, but I love the idea of you're craving something sweet, which is what my book is about. And you go into your kitchen and every recipe takes 20 minutes or less, many of them less to assemble. And then depending on what you're making, if it's a cookie, let's say, and it's 10 minutes in the oven, you're eating the sweet that you just made in less than half an hour. And that just really, really appeals to me. I mean, I get it that there is nothing more delicious than a quote unquote aged or rested chocolate chip cookie. And I be careful. 
Mm-hmm. Be careful, young no, lady. No, I know. I'm no, the I one know. who introduced the aged <laughs> chocolate chip cookie. You are talking to OG here. OG I know cookie that man. so well. I know that so well, David, and I'm so grateful to you for that. But it's like that is one delicious cookie that is aged and rested for 24 hours. who 40. wants to wait 36 yeah. hours? I do understand. Do you, do you get, it's just like at some point, an, an editor that I was working with recently, I was talking about a cookie recipe I was developing for him, and I said, you know, I, I do have to tell you I'm, I'm not resting the dough. I mean, I know. And he was like, oh, my God, please, we're done. We're do-. And this is someone from Bon Appetit. <laughs> We're done with resting. Let's move on. So I feel... I have to say, while I do rest the dough for the cookie, I always reserve like three or four so I can eat right away. I just don't want to wait a day and a half sometimes. So, yeah. Okay. I understand. And I think, too, for home desserts... It's one thing, like I still make sourdough sometimes, and now I'm kind of into the Zoe Zoe's bread yeah. um, method of the kind of five minute dough you mix together and then you leave it in the fridge yes. for yeah. you know up to a week or so. That's great to me because it's in the fridge, it's in the background, and I know that that resting or that aging fermentation will result in such a better dough. But the degree of difference for me with a cookie that's been aged. It's not that I don't detect it, but for my home baking purposes, I don't need it. <laughs> it's just the cost benefit analysis for me is like, just yeah, bake I feel, oh, the same. I feel like I'm the Grinch, you know, whose heart grows <laughs> a little bit. It's the other way around. My heart's just getting smaller <laughs> and darker and blacker as I hear you both say you don't age your dough. But I do understand. I do. Adam, do you do any of that kind of long aging of doughs and 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 long complicated project bakes? Well, David, no. <laughs> <laughs> David, but, you're alone. But you know, David, when we started this podcast or resumed this podcast back during the pandemic, you were the first person to get me into sourdough baking. And you went to great lengths to even find yeah. me some really great flour. Flour, that's right. I sent you flour. Yeah, that's right. And I went through the whole thing to get the start. I was so excited. And after all the waiting, yeah. there was no reward because my wife promptly burnt it in the <laughs> oven because that's just where you said is the best place to keep it. Made another I, one. It got burnt and dropped. <laughs> so there's no reward for me for that delayed credit. It just doesn't happen. I so I'm back do. to Zoe's bread. You know, that's where I'll stay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 oh. I feel you, Adam. I feel you. I, I mean, I, I don't even, it's kind of funny, but I did jump on the sourdough bandwagon, like, you know, despite this book. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know? yeah. I mean, I had never made it before. I got a starter sent to me from a friend in California. And I, I mean, I won't lie, right now it has the black goo on top of it. But I, yep. I but yep. I, mine, I mine does. Yeah, but I plan this summer that, that, it's really weird because this is not, this is off brand, but I do kind of enjoy the, I use a recipe um, that's based on the tartine recipe. And I think mm-hmm. it was kind mm-hmm. of simplified a bit on the kitchen's website. And that's the recipe I use. And I kind of get the therapeutic kind of calming meditative mm-hmm. thing about it. I do. I get a little frustrated towards that last rest when I'm just like, when am I sticking this in the <laughs> oven? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yep, I do. And, you know, I have to confess that, and we're going to be talking about icebox cakes in a little bit, but your strawberry icebox cake from your website, Jesse Sheehan Bakes, we have on the website. We tested it. People went wild. I thought, well, you know, I'll try it. I never really had made an icebox cake before. Jess, I've made it 
every week for three weeks in a row. And the first time I made it, honest to God, I am so embarrassed to say this, a nine by 13 dish, I ate half of it myself. And the one ate the other half. But it is so freaking easy and shockingly People are very impressed by it. Oh, that makes me so unbelievably happy. Although I do have to kind of back up for a second. You had never made an icebox cake before, David? No, because unless I was milking the cow and making the cream Uh, and then baking the cookies and and growing the strawberries, I was a very big Martha wannabe. I would not do that because it was a cheat. Yeah, I only have three books, but I have put icebox cakes in every book because I, for one, have always loved them. More so, mm-hmm. it's funny, not so much because they're simple, although they are, but I actually just adore the how mm-hmm. the cookies become cakey when they absorb the cream or when they absorb the pudding. I love the flavors, profiles that you can play with and make. I mean, funnily enough, as we speak, I'm working on, a, on an icebox cake story for Southern Living Magazine, and I have a lime coconut in my refrigerator right now. I have a peanut butter chocolate in my refrigerator. Mm. And I have this kind of crazy tiramisu berry situation. (laughs) So it's an an icebox cake, but there's no chocolate or espresso to be found anywhere. But anyway, they've Mm -hmm. remained for me, David, like, I mean, I just adore an icebox cake. Yes. I want to ask you, because I think most people who lived in the 80s had this dessert. I don't know if you can quite call it a cake. I guess sort of. Jesse, it was the one with the layer of like a walnut shortbread on the bottom, then chocolate pudding, then Cool Whip over that. And my mom made it all the time. And it was, we called it lush, but I've heard other people called it way more sexual names for this dessert. Oh, do tell, I, Amy, I do tell. I know. I, we have a G rating, but I wouldn't mind an X for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I've even tried to remember what they were, but did you have this one? It was like- I've never heard of it. And then you'd sprinkle the walnuts on the top. Well, what's crazy is, so I grew up in a home with double stuffed Oreos, Pepperidge mm. Farm raspberry turnovers, Twinkies, Devil Dogs, mm. and Susie Q's. Mm-hmm. Oh God, you were like the woman I would have worshipped or a kid oh. I would have worshipped. Because oh. I grew up with things like octopus stew and all. The, none of those American <laughs> desserts or snacks were allowed in our house. Well, David, oh, I would have been at your house I've, all the time. I've read your book, so I know all all about all the incredibly delicious things that you were raised on and the delicious people who raised you. But yeah, both my parents worked. Neither of them cooked or baked. I mean, I dedicate Mm -hmm. snackable Mm -hmm. bakes to my parents because they raised me right, a.k.a. they put dessert on the table every night of the week. So even if they weren't making me something, I was eating sweets every single day, night, etc. But it meant that Amy, I never had that. I never had that. I never had, yeah, you know, being right. from Massachusetts, I've never, I, or Maine, I never had a whoopie pie. I thought whoopie pies came like packaged in cellophane at the gas station. <laughs> I remember standing at the fridge as a kid, like discreetly oh. taking, you know, a spoonful and then oh, another spoonful. I think other names that are more G-rated but still fun, better than Robert Redford yes. pudding yes. cake is one. Better than sex pudding cake is another. And then I think they're in the South, it might be called like Mountain Mama pudding cake. But anyway, I'm actually making Well, I have to say, (laughs) a lot of food is better than sex, I should say. And that is not a statement on my (laughs) sex life. But come on, food is really pretty damn great. 
you know. Well, all I can think about besides sex and pudding and pie is that I need to develop, like, why is that recipe not, like, on my regular rotation? And I have seen mm. that better mm-hmm. than Robert Redford. I've seen that, and I don't know why I've never taken a stab yeah. at that. So good. So, Jesse, you have this wonderful energetic, like really vibrant on-screen persona. And it comes through in your writing too. And don't you have a background initially in acting? You know how to sort of project a mood and sort of really sell something really well. 100%. I don't know why. I was not only an actress, I was also a lawyer. And I think I have some some kind of residual shame, embarrassment, humiliation connected to saying either of those things or to admitting (laughs) to either of those things. Although I am, uh-huh. now, I am now moved into embracing it as I really believe both of them have contributed mm-hmm. to my ability to make video easily or to be on television easily or to, mm-hmm. you know, to be on a podcast and just chit chat, but mm-hmm. also the lawyering. You know, it's all about like precision and writing clearly and following the rules and those things all not only am I good at, maybe to a fault. I love rules. I love being told Mm -hmm. what to do. But they really help with being a baker, you know? So it's Mm -hmm. sort of funny to me. When I I first got into baking and I was working at a bakery and the owners of the bakery were writing cookbooks and needed someone to test the recipes, oh my God, I thought I had died and gone to heaven. I was being Mm -hmm. paid to be in my own kitchen, making delicious things and writing notes about how it could be written better or Mm. more clearly. (laughs) I mean, I was like, suddenly I was back at being the editor on the law review, except it was like a cookbook. Mm -hmm. And so then were you baking in your spare time? No. I mean, that's the really weird thing about all this. You know, I always loved food. So I always had Mm -hmm. food magazines. I I had Mart. My friend worked at Living back then. I had Living. I had, do you guys remember Everyday Food? Martha's Little... Yeah, the little one. Oh my God. I was saying... I was saying to someone recently, I feel like that birthed the easy peasy baker in me because that little book was all about easy. So I had those magazines. I feel like back then Bon App wasn't what it is today. It was more like food and wine. So I think I had food Mm -hmm. and wine. But I always Mm -hmm. got food magazines. I read the Wednesday section of the Times religiously. Mm -hmm. And I baked a teeny bit from those sources. But it wasn't really until I had my second kid, he was almost a year old or he was a year old, and I realized I wanted kind of something more going on in addition to being home with my boys, that I went into a bakery in my neighborhood in Brooklyn and just kind of, Mm. you know, begged and pleaded for like an internship, apprenticeship, kind of like old school Mm -hmm. baker apprentice situation. that is old school, yeah. And not only was it old school, but I was old. I mean, now I don't think I was old, but back then- I was like in my late 30s. That was old. I was a mom. They thought I was insane. Like, who are you? What are you doing here? I think I they had me write a note to the head baker, you know, expressing my desire. And I used like about 50 exclamation points. I was like the opposite of, of hip, cool Brooklyn. Right. And then, of course, I didn't hear from anyone. I went back like a week later, put on my cool clothes, like cool, cool vibe, got rid of all the exclamation points. And they took a chance on me. And what I, bakery and that was this, is, Jesse? It's called Baked. So sure. they've written a few cookbooks, and I Absolutely. worked on all of their cookbooks with them. But that was how it started. And they didn't even, I literally knew nothing. So they didn't even trust me to, like, make a loaf cake. I was literally vacuum packing the granola, right. which mm-hmm. I was very bad at. I am not good with a vacuum sealer. <laughs> but, you know, slowly over time, I gained their trust, and they gave me, you know, more 
more t- tasks. And I kind of built up my, or, you know, from scratch, kind of developed baking skills. Your story reminds me of Dory Greenspan's because yeah, she was that's right. everything but dissertation on her gerontology PhD. And she had a child and was like, I don't want to be doing gerontology anymore. I want to be baking. You know, it's so funny. When I did my book talk with Zoe Francois, Zoe said the same thing about Dory and also said that Dory also grew up in a home where no one was baking. That's right. Yeah. So that I thought true. that was interesting too, which I didn't realize. So, Amy, did your mom bake or grandma or somebody? Yeah. Yeah, you came from yeah, the baking I, home. Yeah, lots of, like, homemade cakes, the whole thing, yeah. I got slice and bake cookies from my mom and also Pepperidge Farm apple turnovers. And that's the only baked okay. things that I remember my mom baking. And they were just packaged goods, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And I grew up in Connecticut, so we had, like, the grape nut pudding and, right. you know, some of the sort of apple crisp, apple pie. Yeah. So, Jesse, you know, your persona is very energetic, and it's like a shot of sunshine when I watch your videos. But you, you've you also been through stuff. Like, you've lived a life. I've heard you talk about how that has really, baking was something that really helped you get through the real stuff of life. Yes. So, if you want to talk about that, I'd love to hear. Of course. So, I am a breast cancer survivor. I mean, I like to think I'm still a young breast cancer survivor, but I was very Mm -hmm. young when I was diagnosed. I was only, this is definitely age. You kind of forget how old you were when things happened to you. I think I was 41. But long story short, when I was diagnosed, I was working at Baked. I was a baker Mm. there. And I didn't quite say this earlier when we were talking about Baked, but I was also much older than anybody there. So Mm -hmm. even though now I think if I met somebody who was 41, I would think they were a baby. At Mm -hmm. the time, I felt like the old lady at the bakery. And I loved my coworkers. They were all in their 20s. They were straight out of pastry school. They were trying to figure out their next moves. I couldn't have been more different than them, but we just all had a friggin' blast together in the bakery Mm. and they taught me so much. But when I like had to walk into work and say I'd been diagnosed with breast cancer and I would be undergoing chemo and radiation and Mm. all of these things, needless to say, they could not relate. But Mm -hmm. interestingly enough, and I have written about this, what was great about my friends at the bakery and then baking, but I'll start with friends, is they couldn't relate, but in because mm-hmm. of that, they weren't scared. I feel like mm. the moms at my kids' school right. who were relate. like my age could relate. And so they were kind of freaked out. Just it's very, yes. it's very human. But when sad and scary things happen to people, a human instinct is to pull back a little, to be a little freaked out by that. Mm-hmm. You know, not everybody, and of course I'm generalizing, but I felt more uncomfortable at my kid's school, being a Mm -hmm. cancer survivor, as it were, going through chemo, having to wear a wig, et cetera, than I did in the bakery with with people, Mm -hmm. you know, 20 years my junior or 15 years my junior. And I don't think I realized it at the time, but being older and then writing about that experience, I realized that that was part of what made kind of my recovery and my process, why being at the bakery improved Mm. that recovery and that process of getting better, et cetera, of of being diagnosed because of the way those people related to me. Mm. And then on top of that, it was just distracting and nice to like go in there and I love whoopie pies to go in there. And that was one thing they permitted me to make, although I was never permitted to make the buttercream or the um, (laughs) uh, Swiss meringue buttercream filling. But, you know, going in there and making making whoopie pies also was just like 
Yeah. You know, again, Gets you I started out of yourself. Out, it really does. Earlier I said, I, oh, I don't, there's nothing meditative about baking for me. There's nothing this or that about. At that time in my life, there certainly right. was. Yeah. And for me, when I was going through really bad times and the low times of my bipolar disorder, baking helped. It just got me out of myself. And it put the focus somewhere else for a while. And that immediate result, that sort of immediate gratification, instant gratification, I was able to eat something. And many a day, many a dark day were soothed by baking for Mm. me. Yeah. Did people bake for you when you were That's a good question. I mean, we definitely, I remember my, my husband was working as a school teacher then and his amazing school like made us food for, you know, all my dinners when I was undergoing treatment, which was amazing. There wasn't so much baking. Well, but at the bakery, of course, I was getting sweets and yeah. sneaking them, et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like it was more people were surrounding us with lots of delicious, savory items than they were baked goods. It's a big casserole time. I think. Yeah. When yeah. someone's not yes. well, casseroles. Yes. I couldn't yeah. agree more. And I'm hungry, so now I want casserole. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of hungry, some of your other work that makes me hungry is, and that I really resonate with, is your love of vintage recipes. Yeah. Partly because at Yankee, we have like 90 years for the vintage recipes, yeah. and I love to page through them. That was kind of your first like brand, right? Yes, which is funny because like if I do a TV segment, maybe not anymore, maybe now they'll, I don't know what they'll call me, but they would always say, the vintage baker's on at 10 a.m. today. I'm like, who the friggin' frig frig is the vintage baker? That's the name (laughs) of my book. It is true. People kind of want to brand you based on what you've written or what you've done. I mean, again, in some ways, I think it's like connected, those vintage recipes and the love of simple baking. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, my the vintage baker is, I don't even remember now how many recipes it is. It's maybe 60, maybe around 50. But they're all recipes that I twisted and tweaked from old-fashioned recipe pamphlets, which were an old-fashioned mm. advertising tool. When you bought a bag of Hecker's flour in, you know, the 1930s, you got a little book along with it. Maybe it cost you a quarter. Maybe it was free that gave mm-hmm. you 20 recipes that you could make using that flour. So it was how these companies sold their products. Same thing with a refrigerator. You, you bought a refrigerator, you learned how to make ice cream or, a you know, a frozen pudding or maybe a, mm-hmm. a frozen lush better than Robert Redford's sex pudding, although that would not have been in there. Um, but um, That's good. Better than sex with Robert <laughs> Redford, Redford pudding. pudding. I like that. Now that works. Better than, better than lush sex with Robert Redford pudding. <laughs> um, but the recipes tend to be really easy in those pamphlets. If you're making biscuits, like they don't sometimes don't remember salt. They don't think about vanilla, mm-hmm. like all the things that for me are just kind of standard, like, yeah, I mean, I was making a whipped cream for this lime icebox cake I was telling you about, and I was looking at the recipe I developed, and I was like, I think it probably needs a little salt. I think that will help make that lime Mm. flavor pop. Mm. And so just that's the way I think as a 21st century baker, that's just the way we think about salt and vanilla. But back then, not so much. So there were a lot of recipes that didn't include things like that. So the recipes Mm -hmm. are short, they're easy. People weren't like, and now pull out your hand mixer. They were like, now grab the wooden spoon. Yep, the wooden spoon. 
I think I was Mm -hmm. drawn to those recipes because of their simplicity. And also as a recipe Mm -hmm. developer, it was super fun to be like, okay, this is like a custard pie from the 1940s. How can I zhuzh it up? Still calling it a custard pie, still using some of the, maybe even the flavor, but zhuzh that up for the 21st century baker. So it was a super fun book to write in that sense. Mm. And I actually think related to me as a snackable baker now because of the simplicity of those early vintage recipes. Yeah. I love seeing how history and political events translate into recipes. For example, I love looking back when Yankee Magazine was being published during World War II. There were recipes that for sweets that didn't use sugar because that was rationed. And so it was, you know, honey cakes and molasses. And yeah. And you really realize how much sugar improves yeah. when you try yeah. making when you this. try and take it out. It's like <laughs> um, it is interesting. In my in my in snackable bakes, I have a recipe for a I think I call it like easiest ever no really rainbow sprinkle snacking cake, which is basically a, a wacky cake or a depression era cake. And I think that is I mean those may be more stories than they are actual factual whatevers. But I think that the cake is called a a depression era cake because I think in the depression when you could not get butter and eggs and dairy, that cake is made with vinegar and water. Wow. And Mm. I mean, but sugar, definitely sugar. And it is a Mm -hmm. spectacular cake. And they're all, I didn't invent it. They're everywhere. But I think you're exactly right. That cake came to be when those things were scarce. Well, all right. So let's move on to our lightning round because I can't wait to hear your answers on this. So don't think just dancer. Okay. Yeah. All right. What is your go-to meal to make when you're dead tired? A macaroni and cheese. Best time-saving trick. Don't pull out your stand mixer, mix everything in a bowl. Favorite food show or movie? That Julia Child movie where um, the other, the blogger woman, Julia and Julia. (laughs) Your most beaten up cookbook. Ooh, it's right above me. Or no, it's under my computer as we speak. It's Martha Stewart's baking handbook tied with the King Arthur Flower Baker's Companion. Nice. Your greatest faux pas in the kitchen. Oh, gosh. When I worked at Baked, I wasn't in charge of making the marshmallows, but I was in charge of dusting them with confectioner sugar, the huge sheet pan of marshmallows, not even cut. Dust one side, flip, dust the other. I dusted it with cake flour. (laughs) I grabbed the wrong white powder. Yes. What is the last best thing you ate? Oh, gosh. This berry tiramisu icebox cake situation that I'm working on. Nice. That's perfect. Jesse, it's always a pleasure (laughs) to speak with you. We're so glad you came on the show. It was so fun to talk to you two. What an absolute treat. I could talk all day with you guys. Jessie Sheehan is the self-proclaimed queen of easy-peasy sweets. She's the author of The Vintage Baker, Icebox Cakes, and The Gorgeous Snackable Bakes, which is out now at your favorite bookstore. You can find Jessie on Instagram and TikTok at at Jessie Sheehan Bakes and where all desserts are served. This podcast is produced by Overt Studios, and our producer is the sweet and ever-chill Adam Claremont. 
You can reach Adam and Overt Studios at overtstudios.com. And remember to always follow Talking With My Mouthful wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Ciao. Till we meet again. Oh, that was really off key. Hold on, let me try it again. Till we meet again. So much, so much better, Amy.